Hello and welcome to an extended MyTunes special podcast with a very special guest. Mark Tiley, the nation station, men's radio. Sometimes on MyTunes, we, we have a guest who's been around a bit, and sometimes they've been around a bit longer. And sometimes they've been part of the fabric of Manx music for a long time. I'm not going to say how old he is, but I will tell you that Dave Lang has been part of the Manx music scene for a long time. Dave Lang, welcome to my tunes. Thank you, Mark. It's wonderful to be here. Well, I'm glad I've got hold of you. When did you first start playing in bands here on the Isle of Man? On the Isle of Man, uh, 1976, early 1977. 76, 77. Okay, yeah. that's here. That's when I moved back to the island because I was brought up in London. But born on the Isle of Man. Born on the Isle of Man. So in London then, we go back a bit further, when did you start playing in bands there? When I was 15. So that would be 1965, 66. Wow. Yeah. Um, what an era to be playing in rock and pop music. I learned to play the guitar literally by following the musicians of the time around the London clubs. Yeah. Even though I was under eight, I had older friends. So John Mayles Blues Breakers with Eric Clapton, Peter Green, and Mick Taylor later on. Cream, obviously, Jimi Hendrix, Jeff Beck with the Yardbirds, all those people. I learned to play by literally positioning myself in front of the stage directly in front of the guitar player and watching what he did and then going home and practicing. I think it's important to remind people, or maybe just tell them if they weren't there, that most of these gigs were quite small. They weren't massive, massive venues, so you could get up close and really have a good look at it. They were tiny, tiny clubs, very smoky, very hot and sweaty. Great atmosphere in all of them. Yeah. Let's go back a bit further, because your dear old dad was director of music at the Royal Marines. He was, he was. My mother wanted me to be born in the island, uh, but my father was, as you say, director of music, and uh, as soon as I was born, within a couple of weeks, I was taken back to, at that time, Deal in Kent, and we ended up in Plymouth. The last seven years of my childhood were spent in Plymouth, so my earliest memories are of the Royal Marines band marching up and down the parade ground because we lived in the barracks for yeah. most of the time. And then we moved to London because my father had to take retirement. He was kept on for an extra few years because he was so valuable to them. But he eventually retired in 1961. We moved to London. He was offered a job by uh, John Colshaw who was at that time a famous uh, producer for Decca Records. He was offered a job as a librarian in the West Hampstead Studios, which of course had become a legendary location for recording from 50s right up until the present day. Uh, all the major Decca bands like the Rolling Stones played there, you know, recorded there, recorded their albums there. And uh, in my school holidays i used to uh, go up with him to the studios and just hang out and you must have seen some amazing stuff going on in there I, I did except that when recording sessions were actually taking place you know they were you, know, you weren't allowed weren't no. allowed no. Well, yeah i used to sweep the floors and bring in 
uh, cups of tea to the to the people and uh, got to meet a lot of really good people. It's a really great start in a, in a life of music. Absolutely. What? Where do we start with your choices? I know every guest of mine says that's the hardest part is, is yeah. choosing the tracks. What are we going to start off the week with? We're starting it with uh, Green Onions, classic, Booker T and the MGs, and it was. The track that started me off on the road to being a guitar player. I never, I was never a wannabe Hank Marvin. I liked that. I liked the shadows and you know the pop music at the time, but um, I was never really inspired until one night I was listening on Radio Luxembourg, and this track came on. Major Luxembourg in the early 60s used to play this. Tamla Motown, soul, R&B, stuff that was bubbling under the surface, you know. And Booker T was one of them, Green Onions. It just blew me away. musical teeth in London 
and then came back to the Isle of Man where he was born. But I thought before we get Dave Lang back to the Isle of Man, who did you play with when you were in that London scene? Because oh. I know you were alongside quite a few people in double bills and yeah, whatever. Let's, right. I, I want to know. I played in a lot of second and third division bands um, from the mid-60s until the early 70s, none of which were very important and completely unmemorable. But we did get to support the bands on the circuit, which was a main thing for me. So I got to play on the same stage as Fleetwood Mac, Hendrix, Cream, etc., etc. You were supporting those guys? Supporting those guys, yes. I mean, that is... Something you can never imagine, as, as like myself. That, that next up, Jimi Hendrix. Dave's on first. Here comes Jimmy. <laughs> you know? Well, the thing is, at that time, these people were virtually unknown or not widely known anyway. It's, it's only later that they became big and started playing the the big theatres and concert halls. But uh, when I was playing. It was still the smoky, sweaty, <laughs> small clubs, you know, and you can imagine a Clapton with Cream or Hendrix with these massive Marshall stacks yeah. pumping out yeah. <laughs> hundreds of decibels of music. You know, I'm surprised you got any hearing left at all. A lot of people didn't. <laughs> I've got to say. A lot of people didn't. Can I just focus on Hendrix a minute? Because uh, my recollection of Hendrix was that he really did build a fan base in England oh, yes. before America again and before going global. It was very much a London thing, Absolutely. Jimmy Hendrix. He was Absolutely. brought over to cut his teeth here. Yes. There, I should say. Yes, well, it was Charles Chandler of, of, yeah. the, uh, of the animals who brought him over. It was on the London club scene that he made his name and uh, his first singles, Hey Joe and, and so on, were all recorded in, in London. In those formative days, there's a lot of talk about what people thought about Jimi Hendrix and the jaw-dropping effect he had mm. on guitarists everywhere. Oh, yeah. Were you one of those guys oh, just God. staring, thinking, how's he doing absolutely, that? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he, he did do some of his gimmicks, like playing with his teeth and, and that, but it was just the sheer musicianship, you know. You, you think, how did he do that? You know, how did he do that? Alongside Jimi Hendrix, in the people that I know you admire, is... Peter Green, a completely different style of player, but you've only got to hear two notes. Maybe you've only got to hear one, and you know it's Peter Green. Mm. You supported Fleetwood Mac when Peter Green was very much part of that band. Absolutely. How important is Peter Green to you? Oh, he's the most influ influential guitarist for me. Uh, he taught me everything that I need to know about space, about the, the value of... Um, what you leave out is more important, perhaps, as what you put in. Tone, phrasing, taste. And uh, I'd seen the Bluesbreakers, John Mayall's Bluesbreakers, uh, a few times with Eric Clapton. And he, he was just magnificent. But then Peter Green came along and he was different. He was different in the way that he approached his playing. He wasn't as passionate, perhaps, as uh, Clapton was, but he had this beautiful tone. And the track that I've um, chosen to play is him with the Bluesbreakers, but without John Mayo, on Peter's birthday, 
Mail had, um, as a birthday present, given him some studio time at the Decker Studios in West Hampstead. And uh, he, he went in, recorded two or three tracks. This one, Greenie, features uh, John McVie on bass, who later became the Mac of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And Ainsley Dunbar, who on drums, they were the rhythm, se- rhythm section of the blues breakers of the time. So uh, Greeny is a masterclass of, to me, how to play blues guitar, electric blues guitar. Thank you. 
on my tunes this week we have a guitarist with us who sort of watched a few people play Jimi hendrix eric clapton peter green and thought yeah they can they can help me a little bit he opened up for them on stage in some of the most incredible clubs in london in the 60s I, I, I'm almost sad to leave that behind for a moment, Dave Lang, but we have to get you to the Isle of Man, yeah. and, and you've come back home, and you're here, and you're full of passion for your music, and you get bands together. Take us through some of those bands from the, those days when you got back to the Isle of Man. Well, I moved back to the island in January 1976, and towards the end of that year, I was lucky enough to be offered the job of uh, manager of the Bridge Bookshop, which turned into a music shop, selling not just LPs, but also musical instruments and so on. And it was through that shop and my connections with that, with that shop that I met up with Pete Osler and Dave Mather, who had previously been members of Black Mass. In huge the band 70s. here. Huge, huge band. band, yeah. Absolutely huge. That band had uh, split and uh, Pete and uh, Dave were looking for musicians to form a new band. So we did. I co-founded it with uh, Pete and Dave. We recruited a fine, very fine bass player called Dick Rain, who is still a very well-known name on the Manx circuit. And I was in touch with Pete Osler yesterday, actually, about the early days of Oasis. And he reminded me that, that uh, the flat that we used to rehearse in in those very early days, is his parents' flat in Strand Street, was actually formerly the home of uh, the Bee Gees, Barry Gibb. The and music running strong through there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yes, uh, we formed Oasis. As soon as we had enough music together, we uh, managed to get a residency at Port Soderick. And I was with them for about a year, year and a half maybe. And uh, most of that time we played the residency at uh, Port Zodrick, Friday nights and Saturday nights. I'm looking out the window and I can see the Douglas Head Apartments yeah. where another great venue used to be. That's right. You That's were no right. stranger there either. No, that, was, that came later. I didn't, ah. I didn't play at Douglas Head until, until the 1980s. Oh, okay. Actually. We'll get to that. Yeah. Never, never with Oasis, no. sadly. But our audience did when we used to play at Paul Soderick, our audience would suddenly fill up for the second set and they'd all come down from Douglas Head <laughs> down the Marine Drive and down to Paul Soderick. Yeah. It was one of the other great venues on the island. So, yes, I, I was with them until early 1978, I guess. And then I became ill. I had pneumonia, so I had to drop out of the band. And then about a year later, I was approached by Dave Mather again to reform Black Mass. So... Dave, Tony Howell, Flash Howell, and myself, and uh, Dave Welsh, who was the bass player of uh, Black Mass originally. We reformed Black Mass and got the residency at um, the Majestic. And it was a very, very anticipated, highly anticipated reunion. It was, very much. We had a huge following. I mean, TTs were really big for us. We yeah. used to do the Majestic for part of the evening and then come down to the Lido and play another set there. And then the Hawaiian Bar, mm -hmm. we used to play there too. We used to play all over the Lido and the Majestic. They were our main venues. I'm going to get you back 
uh, to the Isle of Man again uh, tomorrow because I've got lots more to talk about. But let's look at this choice number three, Fairport Convention. Yes, yes. Now, Sandy Denny, to me, she is my favourite English folk singer or singer. I first saw her in 1966, uh, maybe early 67, at Les Cousins, little folk club in uh, Greek Street in, in in London. The brother of my girlfriend at the time, Don, he was a good bit older than us, and he used to take us up to Sunday afternoons at Les Cousins. And there were people like Martin Carthy, John Renborn, and Sandy Denny, who was just starting out on, on her career. She was trying to make up her mind whether to become a nurse <laughs> or a singer. And uh, she was just wonderful absolutely wonderful swore like a trooper in between songs and got a bit uh, a bit drunk but very funny person but this voice was just amazing and then she, she joined fairport convention in 1968 uh, which includes another great guitarist another guitar hero of mine richard thompson and um, she had developed into a great songwriter as well as singer and this song, Fotheringay, is one of her songs. It features Richard on acoustic guitar for a change, not, not electric. The song itself is, a, is about the last days of Mary Queen of Scots, who was imprisoned in Fotheringay Castle in Northamptonshire. And she was imprisoned there and then executed in that castle. And this song always touches me really deeply. She has gazed from castle windows all And watched the daylight passing within her captive wall With no one to heed her call The evening hour is fading within the dwindling sun and in a lonely moment those embers will be gone And the last of all the young birds flown Her days of precious freedom forfeited long before To live such fruitless years behind a guarded door but those days will last no
this hour She will be far away Much farther than these islands For the lonely My guest on my tunes this week is a wonderful guitarist by the name of Dave Lang. If you've been following this, you'll know a lot about him. If you haven't been following it, don't worry. Later today, there's a podcast with extra bits coming your way. And I'll tell you more about that later. But Dave, thank you very much. Thank you so much for doing my tunes with me. You're more than welcome. It's been a pleasure to be here. Well, you're very kind. Black Mass, the reformed Black Mass... Uh, we talked about that yesterday, but I didn't quite get to the point of how long were you together in that particular incarn incarnation? Until 1983. Okay. Yeah, 79 till 83. That was a good run. We tried to reform years later, uh, 2002. Uh, the four of us got together again and uh, tried to recreate the old set. Um, we didn't manage to get back on the road, but uh, we had some fun rehearsals and just good to meet up again and very good yeah. to meet up and then other bands subsequent bands you i mean name a few because people would love to remember those days well i was in mike burns sorcerer for a while that was the first time i actually played at douglas head with 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 him and other venues in in douglas that was that was great fun i like playing with mike uh in the late late 90s um i was working for what at that time was Royal Life in Royal Court in uh, Castletown. And uh, one one Christmas, a few of us recognised that there were fellow musicians around and we decided to form a band for the Christmas party. So we called ourselves Insider. There was Mike Catlow, there was Kelly Bennett, Stu Neen on drums, Dave Spears, who is a... Well, not quite a well-known folky, but he was playing bass for us. It worked so well that we stayed together for about three years. <laughs> Lovely. For what? That was a party band? It was a party band. It lasted three years. And we, yeah, we went out and <laughs> did gigs all over the island. It was, it was lovely. Brilliant. Lovely. And then um, Keith Randall approached me to join his band, the Keith Randall Blues Band. That was the first time I actually got to play with Pete Christian, who you know very yeah. well. On the bass, with on Pete the on the bass. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, Pete on the bass. And Dave Mather, again, who was reunited with Dave. That was fun too. You know, we, we played a lot of gigs around Douglas and in Port Erin. I know, moving forward slightly, yeah. you were hugely influential in encouraging our very own Davy Knowles. Oh, well, yes. And and, and I know you, you sort of worked with him and uh, and the whole of Backdoor Slam. Mm. And there he is, uh, living in Chicago, the home of the blues, That's uh, right. so to speak. That's right. Uh, when did you realise that he was a bit special? Oh, when he was at school. Really? When he played the, you know, in the school band. Yeah. He, he was just outstanding. Absolutely. I mean, I'd known him since he was a, a baby, basically. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd known his parents, Tony and Jan. 
so I know, you know, but the first time I saw him playing, he was just outstanding, and then it just got better and better and better. I think somewhere on YouTube, if we can dig around a bit, there should be some footage of you playing with him yeah. in Paul Aaron yes, some, somewhere right, down there. there I'll try and dig that out and, <laughs> and post that onto YouTube. Let's take this final track. Now, this one's come as a surprise because there must be quite a story behind it. This is Capricaley. Yeah. A Scottish Celtic rock band. Well, it's a combination of Scottish and Irish, actually. Over the years, I've become really, really interested in what we describe as world music. But uh, Celtic music in particular, the music of Ireland, Scotland, the Isle of Man, Brittany, Wales... Cornwall. Each has his own identity. In the early 90s, I was given the opportunity to collaborate with a design agency in Edinburgh, and the manager of my marketing department sent me over to work with them. It ended up being two weeks out of every month in, in Edinburgh. The first time I went, a few days beforehand, I'd seen a concert on television featuring Kappa Cayley and was just blown away. Just struck such a deep chord in me, you know, probably with being with my Celtic background, but also for the voice of the singer, Karen Matheson. Sean Connery d described her voice as being, having been touched by God. He's the voice of an angel. I can hear him saying it. Yeah. Yeah, the only way Sean could, yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I went to Edinburgh, and during a break, I went into a record shop there and there were Capricaley CDs. And I bought this particular one called Delirium. And I had a CD Walkman at the time. And I put this in my machine and I was literally dancing around the streets of Edinburgh <laughs> through <laughs> Princess Street Gardens. It was just so, so wonderful. And uh, this song, Ran Namona, is the opening track on that album. It's actually the Irish connection again, because uh, Ranamona is actually Rinnamona, which is a town in County Galway, on the west coast of Ireland, northwest coast of Ireland. So this really struck home to me, this uh, first song, Ranamona. Dave, thank you for talking us through it. We'll play the track right now. And thank you for joining us on my tunes again if you'd like a little sneaky peek into another guitarist who influenced my guest a lot you'll have to come back for the podcast which will be available from this afternoon in the meantime dave lang thank you thank you mark
did my tunes this week i promised you a little extra slice as they say in bake-off of our guest because there was one guitarist we wanted to talk about well i did uh particularly with dave and that's jeff beck yes indeed jeff is kind of he completes a circle really right back to the yardbirds because he was one of the first bands i saw live in my local club um, and Jeff Beck was with them at the time and he was just outstanding and I've followed his career ever since and he's reached a point where his style and his sound are just inimitable nobody can play like Jeff Beck except Jeff mm. you know the, the sounds he gets out of his guitar because of the way he plays his use of the volume control the whammy bar and playing with his fingers creates this absolutely unique sound and this particular song is one of my favorites of his because uh, we've ended as lovers it's a stevie wonder song and it features um, a wonderful solo by his bass player at that time uh, tal wilkenfeld and uh, it's recorded live in ronnie scott's 
I saw her on a DVD playing, I think it might have been this, may have been this uh, particular song, uh, the Eric Clapton Crossroads yes, Festival. Yes, absolutely. When he gathers all good souls together to raise money for his rehab centre, basically, yes, doesn't absolutely. he? Yes, absolutely. And I, I thought, that wow, what, what yeah. a bass player. I mean, I know. what a stunning tone that she gets. Exactly. That was the first time I saw her with, with Jeff, and he was playing this, among others, he was playing this, this song. And uh, she was just awesome. And she had a, a smile that could kill at 100 yards. <laughs> and together, the two, they are unique sounds. Absolutely. It's like a beautiful sonic painting for me, the mm. way they come together and yeah, yeah. interplay as well. Yes, yes. I'm glad we've had this extra bit. I hope you are too. You see, the podcast, you see, you never know what's going to come on these. <laughs> Dave Lang, thank you. Uh, introduce the track for us again. Jeff Beck, because we've entered us lovers.
Thank you for joining me on this extended My Tunes podcast featuring the wonderful guitarist Dave Lang and some superb musical choices. Don't forget, podcasts are popping up here at manxradio.com every single day. And be sure to join me, Mark Tiley, if you can, for the Shaw Morning Show, Monday to Friday from 930 